Hey folks, this is Justin Hubbard, the sports editor of Lake County News. I've got Will Penny of the Ball and Bulletin with me. Hello. Before we get into this week's show, we uh, we have to start on a somber note. Um, the general manager of Lake County News and the to messenger Mark Smith Jr. Uh, passed away Monday night, unexpectedly, kind of sh- shocking all of us here at Smith Communications and. We felt like we needed to mention it because, Will, you you and I talked about this a couple weeks ago that this was sort of our idea to do this podcast, but Mark had to be the one to sign off on it. He said, go do it, you know, do whatever. The last couple of years, we were distributed through SoundCloud and you have to pay a, a pretty hefty price to get unlimited time there, and he made sure we had that covered. So this podcast would never have been possible without him, and uh, we we wish all the best to his family during this time. It's extremely crazy for all of us right now. I think everybody's just in a state of shock. And uh, we're going to miss Mark, and certainly we we appreciate everything he's done for you and me personally and for this show. Anything you wanted to add? You know, just uh, he was a great person to work with. Um, Absolutely. You know, neither one of us would be at Smith Communications, much less making this podcast without him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he gave us opportunities that so many others, you know, would, like, kill for, you know, being able to cover Georgia, being able to, uh, you know, you, you got to go to the Liberty Bowl with them in Memphis a couple years back. National championship. National championship. I mean, you know, he made these things happen and beyond just being a good, uh, you know, great newspaper guy. He was, you know, a father. He, uh, was a beloved friend. He was a beloved husband, beloved son. Um, just an absolute, you know, it, we're all very honored to have got to know him. Um, and, you know, I read your column the other day talking about him. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that he would, like, come in and be like, what are you doing? Like, very sarcastically. Yes. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you brought this up, another one that, that it reminded me of is uh, he would come in, but he would uh, reference Mel Brooks. And he'd be like, hello, sports fans. That was another one. Yeah, yeah. I still have not seen Blazing Saddles. Oh, Even man. though he he very much suggested I do that. <laughs> yes, we you, you should definitely do that. I'll watch it in his memory sometime soon for sure. Yeah, but um, yeah, uh, we're all gonna miss him. Yeah, it's it's a crazy loss. I was shocked. I think you were actually the one who confirmed the news to me. Uh, didn't really know what to say, and yeah, we we certainly extend our deepest condolences to the Smith family during this time, and uh, certainly been thinking about them a lot this week and. We're going to miss Mark around here, and uh, with that said, I think it's time we get on with the show. He wouldn't want us sitting around here talking about him the whole time. Uh, Let's get this thing started. Go dogs! This is Any Given Friday, the official podcast of Lake Country Sports. We're already on episode six of season three, our last episode of the month. Of September, my name is Justin Hubbard. I'm the sports editor of Lake Oconee News. Joined as always by Trevor Bowden, who is covering Gatewood Sports for us at the Eaton Messenger. What what's happening, Trevor? How's uh, how's your week been so far? Good, been good. How about yours? I uh, can't complain. It's been a little busy. Uh, right. We mentioned at the top of the show we had some unfortunate developments, and uh, obviously we're we're all trying to get over that. But uh, yeah, uh, personally, you know, outside of that, pretty good week. Just been. Very busy, a lot of lot of action going on, and we're about to dive into that and tell you all the details. But first of all, 
Be sure to follow us on social media, Lake Country Sports on Facebook and on Twitter. Our handle is at GA Lake Sports. Well, this week we're going to talk about softball. And reminder, in case you're a first-time listener, Gatewood does not have a team, so we're not going to be talking Lady Gators softball. But, Trevor, we got some good news uh, for the Putnam County softball team for the first time in quite a while. They, they, they finished their season with a win. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so for about the first time in a month now, since August 21st, uh, Putnam picked up their first w- or their next win, um, moving them. They finished their season now at two and thirteen overall, zero uh, and six in region. But they did end on a high note, uh, going to LOA and beating LOA on their senior night, twelve to seven in eight innings. Um, it was a tight back and forth back and forth affair. Uh, actually tied 7-7 at the end of seven innings. Um, highlighted by a sophomore, correct me if I say this wrong, Brescia Farley of Putnam made an over-the-shoulder catch with two outs and bases loaded to send this game into extra innings. So uh, phenomenal play there from her. And then in the top of the eighth, Putnam's bats just got hot. Uh, they scored five runs. Uh, highlighted by senior catcher Hannah Bernard hitting a two-run home run. So, um, like I said, end of the season on a high note. They're, they've got some JV players stepping up that they're excited about for next season um, and looking to uh, hopefully next season make the, the wins a little bit more. Absolutely. And uh, I'll talk about the, the, the losing side of that game <laughs> here shortly, but uh, first, uh, what will probably be our last update on Green County softball. The Lady Tigers wrapped up their regular season 0-12 with a loss on September 18th at Washington Wilts, 15-0. Uh, the last I heard, they were planning to participate in what is essentially a consolation tournament to the region tournament. Um, I, and, and I had a conversation with somebody at the school and with all due respect, not dogging them or anything, but you're 0-12, you got to make the top 24 of the Class A power rating, and they're probably very close to the bottom. Even a, a strong run through that Constellation tournament wouldn't get them into the playoffs. So I'm interested to see if they even go through with that. I know last year they had planned to do it and uh, wound up backing out, so we'll see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, regular season has come and gone for – Green County softball. Uh, personally, I saw a lot of growth out of them this year. They were much better than a year ago, but unfortunately just couldn't scratch across any wins. Okay, back to LOA versus Putnam. I didn't see the entirety of that game because I actually started my evening down at the gym for softball, or excuse me, for volleyball. They had senior night and softball had senior night as well. <laughs> so I was running back and forth uh, at LOA's campus on Monday night. But I did get to see those final few innings, and it was crazy. Putnam pulled ahead, LOA tied it. LOA pulled ahead, Putnam tied it. <laughs> sent it to extras, and unfortunately for LOA, just could not get out of that eighth inning uh, quick enough. Had a, a few walks that came back to bite them, and, and especially that two-run blast. By the way, I think that's the first homer I've seen in a while in softball, and Hannah Bernard got every bit of that ball. <laughs> I, I, I knew when it left the bat it was going to be trouble for LOA, and uh, certainly it was. So the Lady Titans finished up their regular season on Wednesday night after that game. They bounced back and defeated 
Wilkinson County 15 to 0. So that means they closed the regular season winning five of eight games. So not bad. A couple of tough losses in there, but for the most part, a very successful stretch to end it. They will compete in the Region 7A tournament this Saturday. As of this recording, those seeds have not been completely decided. They will either play at Georgia Military College Prep in Milledgeville or at Stratford in Macon. And that's going to, uh, their, their schedule for Saturday is going to completely depend on that, on that host and on the uh, seeding of the overall tournament. So, unfortunately, we can't share any details of that right now. I'm still waiting to hear myself. They are hoping to at least win a couple of games there and lock in a playoff spot. The latest power rating as of this recording was released at 8 a.m. on Thursday, and the Lady Titans were 24th after that win Wednesday night. Only the top 24 teams make the playoffs in Class A thanks to that power rating system. So, they are as on the bubble as on the bubble can be. <laughs> they, they really need to go grab a win or two and, and solidify themselves. I'd be surprised at this point if they did miss it because I think they've got a few quality wins and they played very well this season. And I think there are a couple of teams floating around that spot of the, of the rankings who, frankly, are not as good as them. But this is Class A. These power ratings have always gone against our teams here in Lake Country, and I, I say that objectively. It, it's it's a mess of the system, but we ain't got enough time to rant about that. So hopefully this time next week we'll be able to reconvene and, and give you some updates on LOA softball making the playoffs for the very first time ever. By the way, this is their first ever region tournament appearance. So uh, uh, history-making season just keeps moving on for LOA softball. All right, our last softball team is, of course, Morgan County. The Lady Dogs finished the regular season 15-11, and 11, closed in on a two-game winning streak, including an 8-5 victory against Monticello. And then Tuesday, they defeated Alcove 8-0 in a run-shortened game on senior night. So really, really good way to end the season. I was at the Alcove game. Bailey Nix pitched lights out for the most part. She had a couple base runners here or there. But by and large, Al Covey was not able to touch her. The offense was a little bit inconsistent. Those first couple of innings, they had several chances to push across some runs, just couldn't do it. They got bases, they got runners on the bases, just couldn't bring them home. And a matter of fact, there was a either a bases loaded situation or a runner at second and third situation. They went for a bunt and popped into a double play. Nice. So it, it really. <laughs> That that probably is what stifled them more than anything. If they could have scored at least a run or two there, they might have gotten on a roll. Regardless, they came back and, and battled through those those tough moments and still secured a uh, mercy rule win thanks to a walk-off hit by senior Zoe Brown. She's the one who delivered the knockout punch. This Saturday, the Lady Dogs are going to host East Jackson in the Region 8 AAA play-in round of the Region Tournament. There's a lot on the line with this because – if the Lady Dogs win this series this weekend and advance, they will be in the Region 8 AAA tournament, have a chance to win a region championship. And not only that, but it will also lock them into a state playoff spot because they're guaranteed to finish no lower than fourth in the region. So a lot is at stake here this weekend. It's, it's win or be done, basically. Saturday, tomorrow, they're going to host East Jackson, 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. is the tentative schedule. And if they need to play a rubber match, that'll be on Monday. So a big weekend coming up for LOA and Morgan County softball. And 
Uh, I cover both these teams, and I've <laughs> never, ever had to worry about two teams this late in the season. Uh, it's always been Morgan County alone in the postseason. So uh, that just tells you how far these teams have come, and uh, certainly we hope to see Putnam and Green climb that ladder really, really soon and join these two teams. Well, football season is moving right along here in Lake Country, and so with that, we're going to turn our attention now to some pigskin action. And Trevor, I'll let you kick us off, pun intended, <laughs> and uh, give us the latest on Putnam County football. The War Eagles took a uh, very tough loss last Friday. Yes, sir. They they faced a pretty daunting opponent, though. Um, they went up to Raven County for their region opener, uh, tripped up a little bit, had some, apparently, based on what their coach said, some knockout punches at the beginning that they never really responded from. Uh, they ended up losing the game 55-8. to It was 34 to nothing at halftime. Um, apparently, the quarterback for Raven, Gunnar Stockton, is phenomenal. He's a stud. Right. Uh, he, they kind of just didn't really have an answer for his passing game, um, along with some other things. But of note is there were multiple times that Putnam had him on the ropes, third down, whatever, and some penalties called on Putnam, extended drives, led to some scores. So um, there were some bright spots that they played well, just kind of some mental mistakes here and there. Um, of note, senior Marcus Jefferson scored the lone Putnam touchdown off a 39-yard pass from Cedrion Brundage late in the third quarter. So um, there are some things to build on, but you know, coming up against the defending region champs, like you said, a perennial playoff team for your region opener on the road, that's always tough. Um, so they look to rebound tonight when they host 4-0 Union County, which will also be their homecoming game. Uh, so that that's... They look to rebound, but that's going to be another tough matchup. Oh, yeah. The Panthers are coming in averaging 49 points a game. So it's, it's, it's another tough set, tough test for Putnam, but uh, they're looking to right the ship. So, Justin, another team in the area that went on the road and had a, a tough loss. How about how did Nat Green go? Not good. Um, the Patriots are down to 1-3 on the season after taking a 30 30- to six defeat last week at Vidalia Heritage, that drops them to one and one in the region. They're they're five hundred there now, so they're they're starting to hit a little bit of a skid here. They were hoping to bounce back from last week's loss and or excuse me, two weeks ago uh, that loss and get a win here and keep it up in the region, but uh, that was not the case. And I've talked every week about this team with injuries, and it's really gotten worse for them to the point that they've actually canceled tonight's game because of all the injuries they've had pile up. This past week, they lost Alex Gabriel, the quarterback, for the entire rest of the season with a fractured clavicle. Nick Cruz, their main kicker, has a pulled hamstring. And in total, as I said, there are five different players who are injured. We've talked about the others the last few weeks. So it is, it's not a good time for the Patriots right now. They're really banged up and trying to salvage the rest of this season, to, to, to put it as nicely as I can, because they've got so many injuries. They're, they're, they've got a losing record. They don't have too many region games left. They're in a very small region in this eight-man conference. So they're really trying to find a way to patch this thing through and, and, and try to get a couple wins here before the season gets too out of hand and gets away from them. But with that many injuries, I mean, that's, that's five kids – you know, bare minimum. There may be some that I don't even know about, but the five that I know about, who at the very least are banged up or 
a lot worse. That's that's a pretty significant number on a roster with 12 kids and in a league where they only play eight on the field at one time. So they can't even fill an entire eight-man team right now. It's hard times for the Patriots, and uh, hopefully we wish all those kids the best and hopefully they'll be back on the field sooner than later. Well, from one of our private schools to the other, the Gatewood football team went on the road again, and Trevor, you were there. You chronicled it in this week's edition of the Eat to Messenger. But, man, what happened in this game? Because it sounds like it was a, a, a wild one, to put it politely. Yes, yes. The, uh, the road warriors that the Gators have turned into this year uh, traveled up to Stockbridge to take on the Gaps School uh, Community Christian Knights. They lost that game 20-14. to 14. And, I mean, the best way I can put it, uh, Coach Ratliff talked about it in my, my uh, article in this week's paper, they didn't get off the bus till about halftime. They, it just, they didn't show up. They three and out on their first possession. The punt was returned for a touchdown by Community Christian. Um, in Gatewood's favor, it was called back for a holding, but six plays later, 21-yard touchdown pass from Community Christian's quarterback to number three. Uh, was their wide receiver, and realistically, Gatewood did not have an answer for that combo all night. Uh, anytime that Community Christian seemed to be in a hole, I got to give credit. Uh, the quarterback for Community Christian, I don't know if you're familiar with Weston Wallace for Gatewood. The quarterback was Weston Wallace with long hair, <laughs> except agile. He refused to go down all night. He made a play in the fourth quarter that. He had two different guys hanging on his feet, and he threw it right before he ends up on his knees uh, to convert a first down. I mean, the dude played lights out. Credit to him. But uh, So, yeah, they go down on their first uh, first defensive possession. Community Christian kicks off. Gatewood, during the return, uh, Carter Middleton's trying to make the best out of whatever he can. Gets spun around, fumbles. Community Christian takes over four plays later, touchdown. Um, so with six minutes left in the first quarter, Gatewood was down 14 nothing. Uh, not a good start. No, it, it, was, it was not pretty. Um, but bright spot for kind of this whole year, um, senior Connor Olson uh, had a 58-yard punt return that set up Gatewood's first touchdown uh, to make it 14-7, which was the score at halftime. Uh one thing of note, though, is penalties, again, just came back and bit Gatewood in the butt. Um, they looked like they had a um, had them on the ropes and third down, late hit, personal foul. It's just stuff like that, like we've talked about, the ones that aren't even questionable, really. They're controllable. Right. It's, it's, they just bit them in the butt again. But... Um, First possession of the second half for Community Christian. Gatewood holds him to a three and out. Another bright spot for the year so far. James Williamson uh, sheds two blockers and blocks the punt. So um, it results in multiple penalties against Gatewood. They go the wrong direction, punt, nothing happens. Uh, Then Connor Olson, again, for his fifth interception of the year, comes down, makes an interception on their own seven. Then the workhorse that is Walt Jarrett leads a drive uh, highlighted by a 43-yard rush to set up the tying score. Um, And from there, it was back and forth. Late in the game, Jason Berner was called on to attempt a 46-yard field goal. Credit to him for attempting that, but it it was missed. Um, Community Christian took over on their own 20. 
again, third down on their own 15-yard line. Uh, they look like they're going to be stopped, and a late hit extends the drive, which then leads to, with 20 seconds left, a 21-yard touchdown pass from the quarterback to number three. Heartbreaker. Uh, it, absolutely. And then what's what was just bizarre, just, un, just unlucky is the best way to put it, Community Christian kicks the kickoff out of bounds. Coach Ratliff elects to have him re-kick from five yards deeper. He almost whiffs the ball, squibs it directly left, and hits a Gatewood player in the foot, and Community Christian recovers oh, to end the game. So it just it, it just wasn't their night. I've seen teams in our area lose in brutal fashion. <laughs> I've never seen anything it, like that. It was they never they never got a chance to try and redeem it to tie it up at the end. So it was just I mean, it was one of those things where it's like, wow, that really happened. <laughs> but uh, they do, they host Westwood tonight, who's coming in 1-4, and four, uh, coming off a 41 to nothing loss to Trinity, who Gatewood beat 49-6. to So they're hoping to bounce back. Uh, and of note, it'll be a gold-out game for childhood cancer. So they're nice. hoping to have two wins uh, on the field and off the field. But, uh, yeah, heartbreaking loss for Gatewood. Uh, really, really trying to bounce back this week. So all the other teams had to play away. Green County got to stay at home this week. How did they do? Well, Morgan County got to stay at home too. But that's because they had five. So. <laughs> there you go. We don't have any updates on the Bulldogs this week. We will next week though, because I'll be seeing them again tonight. But yes, Green County hosted Mount DeSales last Friday for their first Region Seven A game of the year and lost that game thirty-three to eight. It really wasn't close. Um, that that touchdown came with about 9.25 left in the game, and that was a run by Demiron West, and then he took the two-point conversion in for the score, too. So all eight of their points came thanks to number eight. So <laughs> that was their only offensive highlights, to be honest with you. They had a couple of good kick returns, a couple of long runs here or there, but just struggled to consistently move the ball. The very first play from scrimmage, Mount DeSales got the ball to start. They've got a really good quarterback, a highly touted quarterback. And with even considering that, Green flushed him out of the pocket the first play, popped the ball loose and picked it up for a fumble recovery. So, And that was well within the red zone, right around the 10-yard line or so. So you're thinking, they got to come away with points here. Didn't happen. I think they ran one, maybe two plays. And then quarterback Desmond Dunn tried to run an option play he pitched the ball to his left sort of wildly. I don't know if it slipped out of his hand. If it, maybe it was hit out of his hand. I didn't have a great look. But all I know is I saw his hand motion and the ball went straight into the air, <laughs> which is not what you want on an option pitch. Somehow, Fred Hall, the tailback, came away with the ball. He, he picked up a yard or two after catching the pitch and then had it knocked out of his hand. So, uh, Matt Sales picked it up, and it was they were the Cavaliers were off for the races at that point. Ran it up pretty big on them. Defensively, Green County, you know, you mentioned Gatewood really struggles with penalties. Mm-hmm. Green County struggles with the running game, and that is that is solidified after three weeks. There's no, well, maybe they missed a block or two here. There's no, well, maybe they played against really good talent. This is an issue for this defense. And a lot of it is because they have so many young players, but still – they go with 30 carries for two, 264 yards last week. All three Mount Sales touchdowns came on the ground. Uh, they look pretty decent in the air. They go with seven completions for 91 yards. But, again, when you're giving up 300 yards rushing almost, and the last two weeks before that, it was well beyond 300. 
Uh, that is certainly a problem. You're not going to win many games like that, particularly when the offense just doesn't show up. There's a lot of frustration around the program right now. They're trying to figure out a way to fix this issue. This is the team's first 0-3 start since way back in 2016. They went on to finish 4-7 that year. I think they still made the playoffs because their region was so bad that season. But, yeah, this is uh, turning into a very rough season for the Tigers. They're searching for answers. they got a lot of question marks they got to clean up. And they, they got to do it in short order because tonight they host George Military College Prep coming in 2-2, two and two, I believe. This will be the Tigers' homecoming game, so they don't want to lose on one of their biggest nights of the year. And uh, it seems like a good opportunity to get that first win. So Tigers hoping to uh, turn things around on homecoming. Well, as always, we're going to look outside of Green Morgan and Putnam Counties. And this time of year when we do that, we're talking NFL college football. But first, let's welcome in Will Petty, the editor of the Ball and Bulletin. And uh, Will, how's, how's everything hanging with you this week, man? It's, it's, it's hanging. No. Hanging Just like my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there. We'll keep this PG. But anyway, well, I guess that may not necessarily not be PG, but it, it's still wrong. Uh, to quote Steve Martin from Cheaper by the Dozen, funny but wrong. <laughs> All right, that's your obscure reference of the week, by the way. I don't know how number one. I don't. Yeah, number one. I don't know how I remember that that line. All right. Well, before we dive into NFL predictions for this week, last week we talked about all the quarterback situations, and this past Sunday after we recorded that episode, we got to see some results on the field. Trevor, I know you've been wanting to talk about this. What did you think about some of those replacements and first-time starters? Yeah, uh, I was I was pleasantly surprised with Daniel Jones, Gardner Minshew, and Kyle Allen. They all kind of stood out. Um, Daniel Jones is kind of taking all the headlines right now. I don't know. Gardner Minshew is kind of a man's man. <laughs> <laughs> He's got different headlines going for him. Right? <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Daniel That's Jones true. has the football headlines. Uh, he, I get he, you know, he's had the most preseason hype with Eli and what the Giants are going to do and all that stuff. Um, yes, they won. He was 23 for 36 with 336 yards and two touchdowns. But if if the field goal at the end of the game is good, I think the entire narrative changes. Yes, he performed well, but they still lost. So um, that's the one that I'm still kind of iffy about. Gardner Minshew, like you said, he's just he's just entertaining. You Did know? you see the uh, photo that was posted of like him that he was a freshman in high school with all the, girl- yeah. the cheerleaders? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he kind of had that. Uh, you know, Baker slash Brett Favre kind of element going on there a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Like, yeah, he uh, he was he performed well as also uh, honestly kind of similar numbers, but I think he's more of the off the field highlight right now. Um, the one that I don't really I think it should be a sitcom with him and Fitzpatrick. <laughs> and then the other one that I don't really get why he's not getting as much talk is Kyle Allen. Came in for Cam Newton, 19 for 26, 261 yards, and four touchdowns in a win. I'm betting the entire state of West Virginia is rioting right now. (laughs) But, but yeah, those those are the three that stood out. I think they all performed well. I think who's getting what talked about them is kind of interesting, though. Well, let's talk about this week's upcoming NFL action. We got a couple of decent games, but 
for the most part, this week's schedule kind of sucks. A bunch of bad teams playing other bad teams. <laughs> Speaking of which, <laughs> let's talk about the Tennessee Titans traveling to the ATL to take on those dirty birds. Will, who you got? Titans. It's not even up for debate. Um, you know, now they got those defensive problems again. And although I am regretting doing this, because every time I pick the Falcons, they've yeah. lost. And every yeah. time I pick the opponent, they've won. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm just looking at it. I think the Titans are going to run all over them. I think their defense is rather stout. So, I just, I, I'm going to go with Titans by seven. Atlanta is always a consistent performance away from looking like one of the best teams in the NFC. And I think that's something we forget sometimes because of how poorly they have played this year. Yes, Matty Ice has the interception bug for some reason. And even beyond that, they, they've got arguably the best wide receiving core in all of the NFL. And I feel like they've had a few weeks to maybe get the kinks out of the system. Um, I am a world-class Falcons hater, but I'm trying to give them a little bit of a <laughs> They lost to the Colts. <laughs> They lost to the Colts. They lost to the Colts, that's true. Um, but anyway, I, I think Atlanta at home, maybe they can get something rolling. It'll, it'll be a close game, though. I understand what you're saying about the, the Falcons' defensive struggles and injuries at the moment, but this Tennessee offense is not very hot either. They scored 43 at Cleveland, but since then, and, and that was a victory, since then they lost to Indianapolis and only scored 17 they only scored seven against Jacksonville in their most recent outing. And Marcus Mariota, I'm, I'm hot and cold on this guy with every performance, it seems like. He's been sacked 17 times through three seasons, excuse me, through three games. That is absurd. Atlanta's defense, as banged up and as bad as it is, may have a shot of keeping the team in this game. I like Atlanta in a close one, 21-17. May I also just say, though, yeah, I'm gonna throw a little bit of shade here. Throw it. Mary Oda is the most overrated quarterback in the NFL right now. I don't know about most in the NFL, but he is highly, highly overrated, I think. I'm going with Justin. <laughs> I'm not gonna say the most overrated, but yeah. yes, I one hundred percent agree. Well, I, I struggle to think of others who, who might be the most overrated, but but I think you know. Fitzpatrick with the beard, you could throw him in there. He's up there. Absolutely. <laughs> well, no, everybody does that as like meme status. Like, everybody knows that he's not actually good. He's gonna be good for like a week and then pewter out. Like, well, well, like, that's I mean, not even happening this year. So. No, it's not. But like, like Mariota, he, he always still starts. They're not finding anyone to replace him, and he just, I mean, yeah, you may have an argument. I, we, we, we'd have to discuss this. Maybe thing. Flacco. Maybe Flacco. Flacco's up there. Yeah. Yeah, we, but Flacco at least has Super Bowls. Yeah, <laughs> that is well. He was carried to those. We don't have no time for that discussion today. We'll get there at some point, maybe. But go ahead, Trevor. Break it down. Uh, I degeneration X. <laughs> I'm, I'm I understand both aspects. So it, this one was tough for me. Um, I I agree though. I think the Falcons are a more complete team. They just haven't played like a team. This is the worst part. Um, the Keanu Neal injury sucks. You hate to see that, especially him coming back from an ACL to now tear his Achilles. And then get the penalty. Which, yeah, that was just crap. I'm sorry. But that's that's just wrong. Uh, that's kind of like Charlie Culberson getting called for a strike when he gets beamed in the eye. Like, okay, <laughs> sure, why not? By the way, how about the Bravos? Absolutely. Suck at Philly and Bryce Harper. <laughs> 
Nothing. You know, you hate to see such a lovely fan base as the Phillies. I hate to see it. Hate to see hate them to see get beat at the Nationals. Hate to see it. To get knocked out of the playoffs. Okay, okay. Back to business. But anyway, <laughs> uh, to, I mean, to wrap it up, I think the Falcons are a more complete team. I think playing at home helps. I think they do kind of pick up on some of their struggles. Uh, I do agree. Close game, though. I'm going 24-20 Falcons. I think there's going to be a sneaky, decent game, and it's only because of where it's being played. The Kansas City Chiefs, who, of course, are 3-0 and and are really rolling right now, travel to the Detroit Lions, who are very quietly undefeated. They're 2-0-1. I'll be honest, I had no idea what their record was when I was getting ready <laughs> to, uh, to lay out this week's podcast, but... Yeah, Detroit undefeated. They took a tie at Arizona to kick off the season. And uh, I guess I'll get us started. I think this is going to be probably a closer game than most probably probably expect. If it were uh, at Arrowhead, maybe I would feel like Kansas City is going to pull away. But I like what the, the Kansas City offense is doing. And I feel like Detroit's defense is, is pretty decent. They haven't been outscored. Uh, too, too much this year. So in their tie, they gave up 27 to Arizona. Uh, but after that, they gave up only 10 to the Chargers. Uh, gave up 24 to Philly, so that's not great. But uh, I think they've, they've had a couple of moments here and there where maybe they looked pretty strong-ish, I guess, uh, considering this is Detroit. Let me put that <laughs> into, into some, some context there. So I feel like it'll be a, a tight one, but Kansas City's too good not to win this game. I like about 11, 35, 24. I, I have written down literally the three people that the Lions have played, and I think that kind of bodes with their record. Yeah, the Chargers sure. and the Eagles, they're perennially decent and contenders for whatever, but they're not performing well this year. The tie with the Cardinals is really just what kind of is like, okay, you tied the Cardinals, really? I mean... In their first game also. So, Kyler Murray, first game, and I, I don't know. I just, I, I agree. I think they're kind of sneaky good, and it could be a close game. Um, I'm not thinking it's going to be as close as you. Uh, I think this will be the the Lions' first real test of the season, and, but I'm going 38-21 Chiefs. This is going to be the biggest dumpster fire <laughs> in a two-mile radius of the stadium. Um Look, they, they've not played an offense nearly to the caliber of the Chiefs. Not even close. Um, Mahomes is going to go in there. He's going to get his usual business done. I hope. I mean, it's <laughs> heaven fantasy. I mean, I just I do not see how the Lions can even keep it competitive. Um, being in Detroit, sure. But, y'all, this, this ain't going to be... Even worth watching. I'm going to say that the uh, Chiefs pull away very early, and we're looking at like a 20 point game. Wow. Okay. With the Georgia fans that you are, do you think that Stafford is wasting away in Detroit? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think he might be the most undervalued or maybe underrated quarterback in all the NFL, and it's because of this POS team that he's with. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say underrated because he's paid. I mean, I mean, he makes bets. I'm talking about in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> Nobody ever talks about him among right. the bet. It's always Brady, right. uh, Mahomes, all these, uh, uh, Matt, Matt Ryan, Roethlisberger, Breeze, all these other veterans who have been around for a while, and he's never mentioned with them. Not Mariota. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I just wanted to see y'all's take. 
Well, I guess per tradition, I'm going to have to pick this one last. But my <laughs> Dallas Cowboys are undefeated, by the way. They're three and zero. Are your teams three and zero? I don't think so. Absolutely not. They travel. We are a, a three and zero. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to them in just a minute. They travel to the two and one New Orleans Saints. The Saints obviously are without Drew Brees, but they picked up a big win at Seattle last week. You guys think Dallas runs at four and zero, or do the Saints have something for them? Well. <laughs> You know, this is a, this is honestly been the hardest game for me to pick. Um, you know, you look at who Dallas has played so far, and you kind of have to say, well, you know, college teams could have like came out of there with a three and record. I mean, come on, you had the Giants, you had the Dolphins, and you had the Redskins. I mean, so that taking that in consideration. I do think the Cowboys are still a good team. I would not be a bit surprised to see them, uh, you know, make a deep run in the playoffs, perhaps even make it to the Super Bowl. Um, so I'm going to say they're going to win, but it's going to be by three points, and it's going to be a very, very low-scoring game. You're, I mean, they're going to have to rely on their defense to kind of keep the Saints off the field as much as possible, which for them, fortunately... They just had to worry about the rushing game. The the passing game, I think they're going to be able to handle pretty well. Who? The Cowboys. You think they'll be able to handle the passing game of the Saints well, is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I think they have to worry about the rush. Gotcha, gotcha. I basically agree with everything he just said. Um, but I think the Saints win. I think it being at the Superdome uh, definitely plays a, a pretty big factor in this. Um I 100% agree the Cowboys have not played somebody. If this game had uh, Drew Brees involved in it, I think it's an entirely different story, and I think the Saints not handle them but have a more uh, comfortable chance of winning that. Uh, With him not there, Teddy Bridgewater, I like Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he steps up in this game, um, really takes hold of his chance with this team. Uh, I'm going 21-17 Saints. You know, the fact Drew Brees is done for these next few weeks is a, a tremendous help to the Cowboys. No doubt about that. And certainly they have not played the toughest competition these first three weeks. However, they've looked pretty dang great, and they've handled these teams the way they were supposed to. Maybe Washington was a little bit too close, but uh, after a sluggish start against Miami, they pulled away and won 31-6. to You can't ask for more than that in the NFL. They've hit 30-plus every week this this season. That's going to come to an end Sunday, though. I, I think the Saints are a very good team, and uh, Kamara is a freaking beast. <laughs> and I don't know how Dallas is going to combat that, especially considering they're, they're battling, I don't know, five or six injuries across the team right now. So uh, this is these are two teams that are banged up. They're playing well, but they're banged up, not 100% coming into this meeting. I think that's going to make for a close matchup. End of the day, though, I I really do have a lot of faith in this Cowboys offense with the way Kellen Moore is calling plays. He was not a one-hit wonder that first week when I came here and said he should run for president in 2020. (laughs) They're they're doing some special things with him at the helm. Dak Prescott's playing at the best level we've ever seen. We've seen him play at very high levels before. But I think this is the game where Zeke Elliott really starts to shine and settle back in. I think they've been saving him and, and getting him eased in because they know he missed a lot of time. They know that they're going to need him for more important games like this one. 
and I fully expect to see a heavy dose of Zeke, probably 20-plus carries. I think it'll be close. I think the Saints' defense is going to hang in there for a little while, but I, I really do feel like Dallas is a little too strong right now. I've got a win of 24-10, to 10, and I think it'll be a late pull-away. Maybe they score a touchdown within the closing minutes or something like that to to get that big of an advantage, but it'll, it'll be a good game, I think. Well, you know, uh, with uh, all the injuries on the uh, Cowboys right now, you got to wonder if Teddy's going to be making them face the Undertaker player. <laughs> <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals are 0-3. <laughs> and by the way, this is the Monday night. Monday night. <laughs> I mean, I, I always watch Monday Night Raw, so... Unless the Cowboys are in this game, I never watch Monday Night Football. But can I just say, this might be the worst ever Monday Night Slate these last few weeks that we've ever seen. Capped off by this game. The Bengals are 0-3. The Steelers are 0-3. Trevor, I think the only winner in this game might be the people who choose not to watch it. But I want to know who you think is going to win on the field. 17-10 Steelers, and that's that's my prediction without watching. I don't plan on watching this game. <laughs> yeah, I, I will find something much better to watch. Uh, the only thing is I think Mason Rudolph steps in, uh, starts to actually kind of understand the offense a little bit better, has some experience. 17-10 Steelers. I like that score, but I'm, I'm going to say 21-14 Steelers. I think it'll be just as close, maybe a little higher scoring, though, because both these – but these defenses are in a bad way for the most part. Um, and, and I think both offenses are really trying to find something. They're both decimated by injuries from my understanding. At least I know Pittsburgh is, and I don't believe A.J. Green is back yet. So mm-hmm. this is going to be a, a snooze fest of a game. I ain't watching it. I will be watching the season premiere Monday Night Raw with my happy self, and uh, we'll let Will suffer through this one for both of us. <laughs> You know, I'm feeling confident. <laughs> um, you know, first, first few weeks, I was just like, going to lose. Going to definitely lose. Going to really lose. Uh, but, you know, I think the Steelers actually performed a lot better than I thought they were going to against the 49ers. I mean, that was a close game. They were able to get Juju out there to actually start doing a few things to help the team. Uh Bengals are just not good at all right now. They have no offense. They make up for that by having no defense. <laughs> um, so I think that, uh, you know, I, I just like the Steelers in this one. Uh, it's at Pittsburgh. So, you know, the fans base is going to be there. They're going to be excited about this game. It's a, you know, division rivalry. Uh, I like the Steelers by 14. I'm going to say something along the lines of 31-17. 31-17. Holy cow. Well, you tell us how it goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we'll, we'll let you come back next week with a recap. Well, they're, well, they're down at halftime. I'll, uh, I'll be joining my friend Justin here and watching some ball. Well, somehow we are a full quarter of the way through this year's college football season. And uh, you guys have any quick thoughts you want to share before we talk about a couple of different subjects here and then get into our weekly predictions? So that was the ugliest... Uh, <laughs> The ugliest 34 to 3 victory I've ever seen in my life. Florida and Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> um, Much but, like Cincinnati and the Steelers, I, I told you not to watch that game. Okay. Like, 
You know, usually in an SEC game, if you, like, have three turnovers, you're not going to win. But if you're Tennessee, anything is possible. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, literally anything, good or bad. So Florida is still a top ten team. I don't know how. Um, th- this game was just absolutely embarrassing for them, and I think that you know going into the week, heading into Georgia, they're about to get slaughtered. Um, that's just going to be painful for them. And uh, I think for most people who saw that game with Tennessee. They know that Florida is not a top 10, much less top 20 team this year. So, I mean, that was my first quick reaction. Uh, I can't think of anything else that really happened. Nothing of note. I mean. Yeah, we've got a few things we're going to discuss. I mean, but outside, outside of these, probably not a whole I mean, lot big going on. I mean, Oklahoma had a bye week. Yeah. The UCLA-Washington State game, did y'all watch that? Holy cow. Okay, I made it back to my brother's apartment after Georgia Notre Dame and saw the end of it. That was insane. How? I mean, <laughs> 67 to 63. It was a shootout, and I loved every second of it. I don't, I don't see how Pat 12 fans like survived the season. Because I know Georgia's been in some crazy games. Don't get me wrong. And I've, I've had, you know. A lot of a lot of uh, a lot of bad reactions to some of these Georgia games, but I don't see how anybody could have watched Pac-12 on a weekly <laughs> basis, knowing that even if you're winning by what 32, yes, that you could still lose the game. Well, I mean, look at who I watch. I mean, Big 12 does say that's true. That's but true. one more thing I did want to mention before we go down the slate. Let's go out. Yeah. <laughs> they beat, they beat UNC. Oh, yeah. At yeah, UNC. Right. And that's nothing right. makes me happier than watching Mac Brown lose. That's right. But especially when it's one of my teams I like. <laughs> Before The other thing that I saw, I know they spanked them, but can we acknowledge that Ohio State was only up 7-5 to five at the end of the first quarter? That, they've had a couple of slow starts <laughs> yes. this year. That was I was I was extremely excited. I was like, okay, this is gonna be great. Yeah, I think uh, I think Ohio State certainly has the potential of going undefeated and into the playoff. But I'm not gonna be shot if they slip up and lose. Agreed. Because mm-hmm. I, I I don't think it'll be Michigan. No, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there in just a second. But uh, yeah, Wisconsin's looking like a tough opponent for them. So I mean, well, what about uh, Iowa? I mean, the stuff going on there right now. That is absolute insanity. You're going to have to educate me. Well, you know the uh, guy who uh, asked for Bush beer and all that? Oh, yeah. I, I've not been able to read about this, but I, I've, I've read like a headline. Mm-hmm. This is this sounds crazy. The Des Moines Register is getting slammed right now. They should. Yeah, because they uh, you know they reported something that he did when he was 16. Right. He got picked up. You know, people are cutting ties with him. And all the guy was trying to do is, you know, get some beer and... Uh, you know, help out some kids. Right. But, uh, yeah. you know, just the reaction everybody's having to it is insanity. Uh, not to mention that same game, uh, there's a lot of allegations now going on about Iowa State fans and how they treated the Iowa band, or was it yeah. or was it vice versa? I think it was, I think it, who played at home, Iowa? I believe it was Iowa. I think it was the away band, so that would make it the Iowa State yeah. band. But, yeah, well, and then, so you have the reporter... Brings up all this stuff about this dude's tweets when he was 16. So everybody gets upset with this reporter. It was reporter. at Ayers, by the way, so I will say it. Okay. They're upset with this reporter. So everybody goes and researches this reporter. Right. He has basically the exact same kind of style of tweets that are deemed racist or derogatory or whatever from like two years ago. 
Wow. And he's a grown man. So it's like, okay, you're going to call out this kid when right, he's 16. Right. So now Bush has decided they're not going to... Because remember we said yeah, Bush was going to yeah. match, Venmo was going to match, and Bush was going to give him beer or something. The last I heard is Bush pulled out of the whole thing. Well, no, Bush is going to match. They're still going to donate? Okay. But he's not getting the beer. Well, he didn't care. I mean, the beer was nice. But that that wasn't... If The, the sign said need money for beer. I mean, if he beer, wants that right. type of beer, he could just open up a tap, you know. Yeah. It, it, if he really wanted the beer, he would use the money for beer. So I right. don't think that really matters to him. But still, it's just... Yeah. Bizarre. The whole thing's dumb. I'm glad y'all had dug into that because I had the time to do that. But I, I saw that that was going on. That's just yeah. And then the band thing was yeah. weird. And too. then and then talking about Oklahoma State as well. Mike Gundy and the mullet question. <laughs> that is the funniest thing I have seen in a long time. You got to show me. Okay, so there was a phone conference, you know, and a story had been, you know, released, you know, kind of like an onion type story. Sure. Where uh, whenever T. Boone Pickens died, he's a big donor to Oklahoma State, multi, multi-billionaire. It's the stadium thing. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And uh, they said that he uh, had deeded Mike Gundy $30 to get that mullet off his head. <laughs> well, one of the reporters... From that used to freelance with the Associated Press. I I don't know who he was writing with in this. He had to be in the in the conference, and he thought it was a real story. So he oh, ended goodness. up he ended up asking Mike Gundy, you know, was he going to chop that ball off his head? And uh, we didn't quite get. I'm a man. I'm forty. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you know he was told. You know he was told that uh, he makes the news profession look like crap and all this other stuff. I, I mean, I'm gonna research this. this absolute gold. As soon as we finish today, I'm going <laughs> to look that up. I had not heard about that. Holy cow! So okay, that that went a lot longer than I expected it might. But hey, that's great. I I was without cell service for much of Saturday. I got to the Georgia campus very early. As did a lot of people, and that completely <laughs> canceled out any cell, cell signal I would have had. Did you see so, a funny name? Yeah, I was disappointed. I saw the video that you shared of him at Georgia. I've not had 25 minutes to watch that. Uh, I was, I was <laughs> asking his, if you saw him. But his, no, no, I did not see him, or the Nature Boy, unfortunately. At halftime, I did get to meet Drew Butler, legendary Georgia punter. I got to chat with him for a couple seconds about their podcast, him and Aaron Murray's podcast. Uh, nice guy, really great meeting him. And uh, I sent him a tweet the next morning. He followed me back, so I was pretty excited about that. Very cool. Go dogs! Hey, Drew. So, <laughs> Jim Harbaugh, has, he, he came to Michigan with a ton of hype, fresh off of success with the San Francisco 49ers. He's been there for a few years now. And even though the last few years he's disappointed and disappointed, we still went into this season with a lot of hype around Michigan. I can even remember some predictions that they were going to make the playoff. That ain't happening. Uh, they, they've really struggled, just got spanked by Wisconsin. Will Harbaugh make it through the rest of this season as the Michigan Wolverines head coach? He is the inverse of Nick Saban. This is my, this is my hot take. He's going to not finish out season, or if he does finish out season, he's not going to be there next year. But you know what? He's going to go to the NFL and he's about to start a dynasty. <laughs> I'm calling it right now. Uh, but no, I, I that that game was just an embarrassment. Uh, I don't think Wisconsin is that good. Although I think, as we mentioned earlier, uh, I could see them beating Ohio State. But 
Wisconsin's not that great of a team. Uh, Harbaugh, I mean, you you have to feel bad for the guy for that game. I mean, I don't know if you feel bad for him. He's making millions and no. not winning. So. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, he's he's not performing and he's still getting paid. Okay, I mean, you, you got to feel, feel bad for the Wolverine fans. Okay, I okay, mean, I'll give you that. Because they, they did have to suffer through Brady Joke. And I did say Brady Joke intentionally after the Rich Rod years. And, and they got hardball thinking he was going to be the savior. That has not been the case. But, you know, another coach I'm wondering if he's going to make it through the season, Will Muschamp. Mm. Can we just talk about that for a not second? Not looking great for old Muschamp. Not at all. Uh-uh. Uh, Harbaugh, I think, at least has some games that he can redeem himself. South Carolina, I think... They've had their chances with their SEC opponents. Yeah. Harbaugh has some games. He's got 14th Iowa, 12th ranked Penn State, 10th ranked Notre Dame, 25th ranked Michigan State, and obviously Ohio State. Uh, I don't. I think probably like three, three of those maybe can be wins for them. Uh, I think he makes it through the end of the year, but I think if he has one more slip up. They fire him at the end of the year. I think they let him finish the year just because they seem stubborn enough to let him stay this long. Um, so maybe the like the AD and whoever makes those decisions don't want to admit. Okay, maybe this wasn't our best our best hire. But uh, I spending four years in Ohio uh, got to know some Michigan fans as well at college, and they are not happy. So uh, I think he makes it through the end of the year, but. I think that's as far as it goes. Yeah, they, they were tame Brady Hoke for a long time, right. longer than they should have, in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. I remember at one point, I was in college when he finally got fired, and like that season I would send a tweet every week. It's like, it is Monday, and Brady Hoke is still employed <laughs> by Michigan. Like, I, I was just so like, what are you doing, you know? Yeah. So maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe he does finish out the year, but I it's going to take – some big wins down the stretch for him to come back next season, I think. I did make it to the Sanford State press box and got to watch a little bit of Auburn versus Texas A&M. Why were we at Stanford Stadium? Sanford Stadium? I, I, yeah, was I don't, a I, game going on. Was there? Yeah. That's the first supper of it. Yeah. Okay. There, there were some cool blinky lights at one point. <laughs> uh, anyway. I people liked them, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So... Auburn won that game, obviously. My question to y'all is, and this is something that I tweeted out, and I've got, like, no followers, so, of course, there was no engagement. But I want, I'm curious what's your take on this, because I honestly don't know what my opinion is. Is this a case of Auburn being better than we thought and being for real, or is Texas A&M just overhyped this season? I'm going with both. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it really is both. I think... I personally think Texas a and kind of overranked, overrated every year. Um, they have a lot of hype. They're in the SEC. They have a phenomenal stadium. They usually have a high-profile coach. Um, I think really kind of Johnny Menzel, honestly, just all of a sudden when he was there, and for rightfully so while he was there, they just never really came off of that, and they haven't been correctly ranked since then. Um, so I think that definitely plays into Auburn's win. But I, I – I said it when we first started talking about Auburn. I really think Bo Nix is good. Um, you talked about last week how you were interested to see how he handled his first true road game. Yeah, but... Right. So, um, I think it's both, but I err more on the side of A&M being overrated. You know, I want to see how Auburn does against LSU first before I make a final decision 
Um, probably a loss. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope a loss. Well, well, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not as high on LSU as I've been in previous weeks after this weekend. What? Thirty-eight points to Vanderbilt. I mean, I mean, I will say this. I, that's, that's an embarrassment. LSU has a great offense, and I am standing strong to my guns on that one. Okay. But they are not DBU. <laughs> Let's just make that clear right now. Um, as far as A&M goes, you know, I'm going to say the same thing I've said every year. All, right, all year. They're going to lose a lot of games because of what their schedule is. Mm-hmm. They're not going to lose all those games. They are going to upset somebody. It wasn't Auburn, clearly. <laughs> It wasn't Clemson, clearly. But you know what? You got Alabama, you got Georgia, you got LSU. I, I just I can't see them losing every single one of these games. Something's gonna give. Jimbo is just too good of a coach to lose all five of those games. But uh as far as Auburn goes, I I wanna see him against the Tigers first. The jury is out on Auburn. I agree. I don't think uh They've truly been tested yet. Texas a and pretty good team. They're very young, too. I think yeah. next year and the year after is going to be their chance to maybe rise up and take over the West from Alabama. I don't think they will, but it's going to be their best shot at doing it. I feel like both of these teams – I agree with you. I'm going to hedge, Trevor. I'm, I'm going to hedge. I agree with you. I, I think they're. I think both of these is true at the same time. And, uh, yeah, I think – Auburn, if, if they keep building, could be a scary team this year. I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit nervous about Georgia having to play in Jordanaire this season. So hopefully they'll hit a stumbling block at some point and maybe LSU will tear them up and ruin their confidence or whatever the case <laughs> and uh, get get them ready to be slaughtered by Georgia. But, yeah, I agree. I think uh, both these teams are in different spots right now. Okay, speaking of Georgia, and we hinted at this a second ago, what did you think about the game against Notre Dame? Well, you know, this is going to be a little bit of a story. Um, so, I'm superstitious. So, I didn't get to watch the first half. Because every time my son is watching Georgia with me and he sees the majority of the game, they are 0-3. And uh, when, he's, <laughs> when he's not around, Georgia is 20-0. And in the Texas game, I... Neither one of us watch, so that's a wash. That reminds me of the the short period where I banned my brother from watching the Cowboys with me. No, because they lost every time he did. He, even though he, he could come in and they would be up by two touchdowns. <laughs> so, uh, for the, <laughs> so for the entirety of the first half, it was uh, Oklahoma State and Texas for me. Uh, Georgia and Dame just was not happening, and uh, he fell asleep on the couch. And, you know, my fiance, she's, like, doing her work. She's staying down there later than usual. I'm getting a little bit agitated about it at that point, but I can't say anything. <laughs> so he puts well, She's not listening. Oh, she knows now. So, uh, <laughs> so I, like, ended up, he fell asleep on the couch, and I had to pick him up, and I carried him up the stairs, dropped him in his bed, went back downstairs, did a deep sigh of relief, <laughs> Reflected it back to Georgia Notre Dame, and within two minutes, Georgia had taken a thirteen to ten lead. Nice. So, <laughs> so we have we, everybody has you to thank for that win. Yes, That's what I'm you, yes. And, you and Eli not watching. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the sacrifices I make for dog nation. <laughs> I I personally didn't think either one of the teams played to their best ability. For as much, don't get me wrong, I thought it was a good game, um, but. It wasn't. It didn't live up to the hype I was expecting based off of everything coming into that game. 
the lights were cool. I got all that, you know. Um, but it, I, I, I don't know. I think, I don't think either team played as well as they hoped to have played to make it as good of a game. Um, but, like I said, credit to Sanford Stadium and all the fans because that was phenomenal. Uh, obviously, you were there in person, so you can explain a little bit more about that if you want. But my, my takeaway is... Notre Dame showed some things that I was not expecting from them. I, I said last week I fully expected Georgia to just run away with this one. Uh, so they showed some things I wasn't really expecting, but at the same time I don't think either team played to the best of their abilities. I never went to a Georgia game before 2012. My first game my freshman year was my first game. So I don't have a long history to lean on here. But I've been to the big games that they've hosted during that stretch, with the exception of 2015 versus Alabama. Thank you, God, for letting me miss that game. <laughs> um, and I so that includes 2013 versus LSU, and and earlier a couple weeks before that versus South Carolina. Everybody forgets that game. That was a big game too, and that includes the 2014 opener against Clemson, and a couple other pretty major games along the way. I've never seen the crowd the way it was Saturday night. That was incredible. It was officially a, a record-setting attendance for Sanford Stadium with those 500 extra seats coming in. And the crowd 100% made a difference on the game. All those false start penalties would not, have happened, would not have happened in South Bend. And so that certainly played a big factor in the game. I agree with you, though, exactly, word for word. Neither team played to their potential. And I think... Because of that, yes, it was a close six-point game, came down to the last play. It wasn't a great game, though. Mm -hmm. I think we had the makings of an all-time classic or an instant classic, if you want to put it that way, and just missed it by a little bit. So as far as my personal opinion of the best game I've been to, it's still 2013 versus LSU. It's the best football game I've ever watched, best sporting event I've ever attended, even though the crowd was better for this one. I think Georgia's got some things to clean up. I think their their pass defense finally got a first test, and it showed. Ian Book ate them up for large portions of the game. That that tight end, I can't even know. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Command or whatever it is, they really exposed Georgia uh, that first half. But the encouraging part is Georgia shut them down in the third and fourth quarters. That's when it mattered and got the win. Good thing is Georgia's a little nicked up, so they got a they got. A week off, that's good. And Well, they got two weeks off. Yeah, I was about to go there. They, they got Tennessee after that. So it's not like they've got another major opponent coming up. So the way the schedule's flowing, it's perfect for Georgia. They got warmed up plenty for Notre Dame and get a chance to recover from some of those injuries. It's going to be a good year for the Dogs. You know, I think that, uh, honestly, Georgia did what they needed to do. I mean, oh, I, mean, I mean, their ultimate goal was win. Right. Uh, right. You know, I think that we have learned that uh, – you know, maybe we need to be a little bit more prepared for good tight ends because uh, no one expected that coming no. in. Um, I mean, I thought, you know, I, I did get a little worried there in the last few minutes after, you know, that kick and all that stuff. Um, you know, brought back shades of Mark Richt. But, uh, you know, we, we came out, we won, and uh, I, I think that uh, – you know, Notre Dame very well could be a one-loss team coming into the end of the season, and that's only going to make Georgia's case for a playoff look even stronger. Really quick, because I don't, I don't want to get too crazy, because we got to get going. The kick. In the moment, I was like, what are you doing? It's fourth and one. You've been running it down their throats. By the way, the play calling really 
irked me. A lot, of, <laughs> a lot of instances in this game. There's no reason DeAndre Swift didn't have a buck fifty in this game. He didn't. I think he had ninety eight. That's unacceptable. The way he was running the ball, but no Zeus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they didn't get to go three or four deep into the running back depth chart. But what I was going to say, in the moment, I was like, "Why are you not going for this? Get the first down, run down some more clock, then maybe kick a field goal." Ultimately, I still think that's what I would have done, but the kick made it a six-point game and completely changed the way Notre Dame had to call its offense. So they had to be aggressive. Georgia knew what was coming at that point. There was no instance where maybe they would run the ball and try to run down the clock and hold for uh, field goal position, uh, keeping themselves in kicking range. So I think there's an argument to be made for both of us. You you brought that up. I just wanted to mention that, that I'm, I'm of two minds with that. And I, I think if any fan is upset and furious over this game, you need to get a life. Well, well, <laughs> there, there were a lot of things to be critical about. Don't worry, I, I've criticized them here today. But I, a win is a win, and that's a top ten win. They're 4-0. Oh, that's I'm, I'm not against the kick. It's just the way the kick was executed by the kicker scared me. Was it a low kick? Well, I mean, it was like flubbed. Was it? Yeah. By Rodrigo? No, I'm talking about the punt. Like with oh, I'm talking about field goal. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Was, no, no, no. I no, thought no. he meant that. What you're? I thought he was talking about Rodrigo's yeah. field goal. No, no. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was like, Flo Jake Camarda, and Rodrigo, yeah. <laughs> Jake Camarda's got to get together, man. Well, we went long with our discussion, so let's try to get through these predictions. <laughs> um, might be tough for Will on this first one though, because his team is involved. Texas Tech travels to number six Oklahoma. A noon kick on Fox. I'll, I'll pick it really quick. I think Texas Tech might be a, a sneaky opponent for Oklahoma. If this were a road game, I'd call it a trap game. It may even be a trap game even still for the Sooners. Uh, they got a pretty decent quarterback, Alan Bowman. He's thrown for over 1,000 yards already. Completes roughly 66% of his passes. Not terrible, but uh, pr- pretty solid number there. Six TDs, three interceptions, though, so... If Oklahoma's defense can maybe disrupt a couple passes, it might be a, a good opportunity for the Sooners to pull away. But, of course, they've got Jalen Hurts. I was astounded researching this. Hurts has completed over 80% of his passes this year. That's insane. For nine touchdowns, zero interceptions. I think it'll be fairly close, but Oklahoma's just too strong, in my opinion. I've got the Sooners 41-30. 49-24, Oklahoma. I think uh, I think Jalen Hurts. I'm still waiting on his inner Saban to come out right, on, on the field. Right on the field. <laughs> I feel like he hasn't, and maybe that's just with him trying to get more familiar with some of his teammates and yeah. stuff like that. But I think this game he's he starts showing what he's really got. There's no trap game because it's Jalen Hurts behind the helm. What about he's that? But he can't help the defense. Yeah. So that's my only issue. But I don't think this is the game it happens. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely not. I mean, <laughs> Texas Tech has a new coach right now. Um, you know, this is going to be his first time going to a big environment like Norman, you know, as the head coach. So, I, I mean, all odds are in Oklahoma's favor. I think uh, Jalen's going to have another phenomenal game. And, I mean, it's a Big 12 defense. He's, he's, he, he'll, he'll figure <laughs> out how to speaks for itself. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to say Oklahoma by 30. I mean, it's it's not even going to be a game just because, I mean, now if uh, Kingsbury was still there, you know, someone a little bit more established, 
I, I can see it being closer, but I think just combine the elements of having Jalen Hurts and just Texas Tech having a brand new coach. I mean, I, I just I don't see any way to victory for the Red Raiders here. Number eighteen, Virginia is four and zero, oh, very very quietly uh, turning in a, a number two season in the, in the ACC. Those are Virginia Tech numbers. <laughs> <laughs> they travel to number ten, Notre Dame. Which of course is two one following the loss to Georgia. Uh, Will who do you think is going to win? I think Notre Dame's going to bounce back. Um, you know, Virginia is a good squad. They're not Georgia, and uh, just you know, Notre Dame has the weapons that they need. I mean, you know, we all thought it was going to be a blowout for them, and it ended up not being. They're now at home. They got touchdown Jesus on their side. <laughs> they 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 learned a lot from Georgia. And so I, I absolutely think that they're going to come in and they're going to they're going to chip on their shoulder. They want to still save their playoff run. They, you know, most people are saying they're out for the count after losing to Georgia. I think they still have a shot. So you know that starts with beating Virginia. I will say Notre Dame by ten. I'm going to disagree about their playoff chances because I think it's going to take mass chaos for them to get into it. Uh, but yeah, I agree. If uh, Notre Dame can recover from all those. Injuries that they suffered last week. Oh my throat! Yeah, um, shade. Yeah, <laughs> Jake Fromm sneezed at that guy and he fell to the, <laughs> fell to the turf. If they can, if they can bounce back mentally, I don't see any way Notre Dame loses. Bryce Perkins, the Virginia quarterback, he's a dual threat because he's got eight hundred forty three yards passing, but a buck ninety three on the on the ground. I don't know if Notre Dame has seen that this season. We saw how they defended against a good running attack against Georgia. Not very good, by the way. Um, and I think if Perkins could get rolling through the air and on the ground, it could spell an upset. I think it'll be a tight one, but I like Notre Dame 28-20. I think Virginia's overrated. They squeaked by Old Dominion last week. Uh, their other Two of their other wins, if I'm not mistaken, I know for a fact they beat FSU, who's down this year. Yes. And That's then, one way to put it. Right. And then, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, the other one was William and Mary? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, so, so they've just been playing Virginia. <laughs> so, I, I don't... I, I think Notre Dame bounces back. They proved that they're better than what they showed against Georgia. Um, just a quick recap. I don't think if Notre Dame had played to the best ability, and Georgia did as well, I don't think Notre Dame wins that game. No. I don't think they're better than Georgia, but I think they show that they're better than how they performed against Georgia. Uh, I actually don't think it'll be close. I'm going 35-10 Notre Dame. We talked about the Pac-12 earlier, and there was a game that I called, actually. I'm just going to pat myself on the back here. Last Friday night, <laughs> both did. of you disagreed if memory serves. <laughs> Correct. USC upset number 10 Utah. 30 to 23 with a third straight quarterback. They lost a <laughs> starter earlier this year. They lost a backup in the middle of this game. Matt Fink came off the bench cold. 21 of 30, 351 through the air. He had an interception, but he had three touchdowns. And more importantly, he led the Trojans to a win. They got number 17, Washington, on the road. Our boy Jacob Easton, uh, Trevor. Will the Trojans win, or do the Huskies have the uh, the home field advantage? I think the home field advantage 
it plays a little bit of a factor, not near as much as some of these other teams we talk about. Uh, but I'm, I've been high on Jacob Eason since he was at Georgia. Uh, I think he's a phenomenal quarterback. Uh, I think he really commands the field well. I think the USC third string, second string, whoever comes in, I think they're in for a tough matchup uh, against Washington. I'm going 31-21 Washington. I agree Washington's going to win. I think it'll be a little bit closer, though. I've got to win 38 to 34. It's a Pac-12 game, so you throw defense. That's out true. Washington probably should be undefeated right now. The one loss was a one-point loss to Cal. Uh, you mentioned Jacob Eason. He's played phenomenally this year. Over 1,000 yards passing, 73% completion, 10 TDs, just two interceptions. Here's the big factor for Washington, though. They have three 200-yard rushers already. That's insane. Not even Georgia has. That's as great as its running back core is. Well, they play SEC. I agree. I agree. <laughs> but I'm still saying that's impressive. Right. Uh, I think USC has been lucky the last few weeks, especially last week. I think Utah just kind of shot itself in the foot a few times there. But it's it's going to run out this week, and this will probably be the final, final nail in the Pac-12 coffin for those those very slim college football playoff chances. Washington wins 38-34. Wait, I'm kind of getting high on Cal right now, even though uh, that game at um, Ole Miss was interesting. But as far as this goes, you know, I watched Jacob Eason uh, play last weekend against BYU. You know, they traveled down to Provo, really tough environment, came out with a dub. Um, I I just don't think that USC is going to have the weapons to really go against uh, Washington. Uh, you know, much like how Oklahoma has the experienced quarterback with Jalen Hurts. I mean, Jacob Easton has experience, you know, at a much higher performing school and a much tougher conference. I mean, he's going to probably pick up hard at USC like it's pulled pork. <laughs> wow, say that five times fast. So I'm going to go with uh, Washington by 20. Clean sweep for the Huskies here on a given Friday. That's going to wrap us up for this week's show. We appreciate everybody who tuned in. And uh, be sure to follow Trevor and me as we keep you covered on high school football tonight around Lake Country. And we'll be right back here next week with another new episode. Come on, Coach O. Uh, we're going to go out there, man. We're going we to we start getting some common jump going to go back there and some football. Thank you for listening to Any Given Friday, the official podcast of Lake Country Sports. Check back next week for another brand new episode.